And now for something completely different. What were we trying to do? And I think it, it comes out, it was spelled out perhaps rather too plainly, rather too banally at one point, when he says, make up your own mind, don't let other people tell you. And we would absolutely deny, at least I would, that there was any attempt to say you should not believe in Christ. What we're saying is take a critical view, find out about it, don't just believe because somebody tells you to, somebody in the pulpit says something, question it. It's also about closed systems of thought, whether they're political or theological or religious, whatever. Systems by which whatever evidence is given to the person, he merely adapts it, fits it into his ideology. You show the same event to a Marxist and a Catholic, for example, they both of them find, they both have explanations of it. And it's what the pompous poppers on about with falsifiability of theories. I mean, once you've got, actually got, um, an idea that is whirring around so fast, that no other light or contrary evidence can come in, then I think it's very dangerous. I was given eight or ten years, ten years, of a form of Christianity which I grew to despise and dislike. Largely, it insulted my intelligence. The sermons that were given at the age of 11 and 12, I felt insulted my intelligence. When I got into writing this film, we all had exactly the same reaction. We started to discover a lot of stuff about Christianity, and I started to get angry. Because I started to think, why was I given this rubbish, this tenth-rate series of platitudes, when there were interesting things to have discussed, there were factual and you nobody ever told me, nobody ever told me that they don't know what language the Gospels were written in, that they don't even know who wrote them. An idea that is whirling around so fast that no other light or contrary evidence can come in, then I think it's very dangerous. Don't just believe because somebody tells you to. Somebody in the pulpit says something, question it. Question it. Could you make that film again? I mean, would it even be possible to do that film nowadays? I'm not sure. I think it might be quite dangerous. Because the, the polarization of um, the... Uh, the uh, political and religious polarization in America is uh, worries me terribly, um, and I, I, what can I say? I'm not so sure that somebody crazy might not shoot us. Then I think it's very dangerous. Question. What can I say? I'm not so sure that somebody crazy. Then I think it's very dangerous. Might not shoot us. Political incorrectness. Could, could we just bitch about that for oh, a it's a awful, isn't it? It starts out as a halfway. A halfway decent idea. Right. And then it goes completely wrong. It's right. Make them to add absurd. I used to go out and do these uh, racial jokes. I'd say, uh, French, you know, why did the French sure. have so many civil wars so they could win one now and again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, are, why are Australians so well balanced? Because they have a chip on each shoulder, you know? Right. I used to do these jokes, and then I say, and the, there were these two Mexicans, and the whole place would go, oh. Right. I say, what, what, make jokes about Swedes and Germans and French and English and Canadians and Americans. Why, why can't we make jokes about Mexicans? Is it because they're so feeble that they can't look after them? She's very, very condescending. You know, but well, why is it? What do you do with the people who can't make jokes about? Muslims. Muslim? Yeah. <laughs> Try that. Yeah, but let's see what your Twitter feed says. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not saying that you can't. That no, no. They'll oh, kill no. you. 
an idea that is whirling around so fast that no other light or contrary evidence can come in, then I think it's very dangerous. Don't just believe because somebody tells you to. Somebody in the pulpit says something, question it. And now for something completely different. Welcome back to Apostasy Now, a wonderful apostate on today, Armin Navabi. Armin uh, was raised in an Islamic culture in modern-day Iran. So he has a lot to say about a different culture I know nothing about and you might not know as much about. But even more than that, I have found that Armin is a great thinker. He is in touch with uh, being practical and the understanding of exploring the philosophical nature of life. Every time I hear him talk, I'm more impressed with his intellect and with his compassion for his fellow human beings. Armin also founded Atheist Republic. It's wildly popular. You can find it on Facebook or do a Google search. I encourage you to check it out. He's got lots to say, and I'm sure he'll have much more to say even after our show. So find him, listen to him. Welcome to another episode of Apostasy Now. You just want cruelty to beget cruelty. You're not superior to people who were cruel to you. You're just a whole bunch of new cruel people. A whole bunch of new cruel people being cruel to some other people who'll end up being cruel to you. The only way anyone can live in peace is if they're prepared to forgive. Why don't you break the cycle? Because I'm very much a skeptic. More, I'm, I'm more of a skeptic than I am an atheist. I mean... Atheist is a conclusion based on my skepticism. You'll have to come like a little child to the foot of the cross. That attitude is what is responsible for the rise of atheism. That's not what Islam is all about. Islam is peace. What is the penalty for leaving the Muslim faith? With a death penalty. Thank you. This is apostasy now. For people to get the information correct before they start yap, yap, yapping. Uh, how do you how do you pronounce your name? Armin Armin? Armin? Both are fine. Both are fine. Uh, yeah, Armin is the Western version of it. Armin is the original Persian version. Okay. But if I say Armin, I would look around to see where my mom is because that's what she <laughs> that's what she calls me. So I'm more used to the Western version of it now. So Armin is fine. We've worn you down. <laughs> yeah. I met you at the conference. You were giving a uh, an address there. I thought it was really good. Oh, thank you. So uh, now, okay. So we'll start right off with Atheist Republic. This is uh, something I was familiar with already uh, quite a while ago. How did? You might have asked right off the bat, like, how did that uh, come up? Like, how did you think of that, or how did that begin? Well, it started mostly for selfish reasons. Um, when I was an atheist in Iran, I felt kind of lonely. Um, I, th- I I felt kind of, I felt like either I'm going insane or the entire world is going insane. So I went for on a mission to find other atheists in Iran at first to yeah. to see if it's, well, to see if it's, because once I became an atheist, um, I was the only atheist I knew. Um, you know, and mo- many atheists in the United States, they, they know about other prominent atheists or friends that are, have 
they have that are, that are atheists. When I became an atheist in Iran, it was before Facebook. Um, if it was before people were so connected online. So um, I didn't know any other atheists, and I felt um, I felt kind of smug that I, do I really think that I have came to a realization that nobody around me has come to come to the same realization like I'm, I'm am i actually claiming that i'm smarter than everybody else that i know of? or maybe i'm just crazy and everybody else is right um either, so, either you're a trailblazer or, or a lunatic <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, yeah because you know once i studied history and based on my understanding of biology and a little bit of modern physics to me it seemed pretty obvious that this whole thing is a con and is made up yeah. as i was asking myself like how is nobody else seeing this this <laughs> seems pretty obvious <laughs> so um so i basically started an online community on orcut this is before facebook orcut was like a social media started by google then eventually was abandoned by google um, so I made a community online called uh, Iranian Atheists. Um, and then within a few weeks, so many people joined and a lot of people were so shocked to find other Iranian Atheists on the community. I was shocked that other people joined and every time somebody joined the community, we were shocked that there are other atheists in Iran. And we were so happy to find each other. I was like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. You guys like think the same thing. <laughs> And eventually the group grew so much and I realized that, okay, this must be the case for other atheists as well. I mean, why should it just be Iranian atheists? Um, there must be so many other atheists out, out there that they must feel isolated or alone. And, you know, that they could, because when we found each other, for us, it was like finding a family, that a secret yeah. family that we belong to that we didn't even know exists. So it was very... It is, you know, it was very emotional and it felt really good um, to know that we're not alone. So I decided to go uh, international. Um, again, it was also at first just selfish. I just wanted to meet more people, uh, more atheists from everywhere around the world. Um, and so I started a community called Atheist Republic and it grew really fast. It was amazing. And I think uh, the reason why it grew fast was because we didn't, just focus on the fact that our oh, religion is wrong and there's no God and that's stupid. Like we yeah. also focused a lot on, you know, community building for each other, you know, creating a place where we could just find each other and find new friends and even new enemies that we hate for yeah. other reasons. You know? <laughs> Common enemies. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> no, even, even with, I mean, even within each other, we found passionate discussions that were, um we disagreed on but it was great to know that you know that we're there and we could yeah and, and it was also eye-opening that you know just because you disagree with just because we are in the same community now doesn't mean that we have to agree on everything right right but yeah. so but it was great i mean i mean i mean i support every kind of um community of people that try to get together and support each other it doesn't just have to be atheists I just felt, you know, if, if Muslims, they find each other and want to support each other, that was, that's great. They should do that. And Christians want to get together and support each other. They should do that. I just felt like we atheists didn't have much of that. You know, we should be able yeah. to, uh, even if we disagree on so many other things, we should be able to be there for each other. And if people are discriminating against us or demonizing us or, you know, 
or just straight out oppressing us or, you know, just because we're atheists, I think we could disagree one day, but once somebody comes and, um, you know, does something against somebody just because they're atheists, I think we should be able to get together and support each other and yeah. be there for each other when, when that happens. I, well, my background is a Christian Mennonite. So for me to find other atheists online, that was really helpful. Uh, so that, like, I understand. Um, I don't understand the particulars of your background. I, in Iran, uh, the culture there, um, how harsh is it if you come out as an atheist there? Depends on who you come out to, because if you, I mean, and depends on your society and where you are, right? Yeah. Um, I lived in a mostly liberal uh, place. So when I came out as atheist to my friends and family, the backlash wasn't that big unless I decided to go public with it or publish it in a book or a magazine or you right. know, openly announce it on social media, then I would be in serious trouble. Um, but telling my friends and family wasn't that big of a deal. But again, I think it might have been different if I lived, I don't know, in, in another, I lived in Upper Tehran. Maybe if I lived in Mashhad or Qom, the reaction would be different. So yeah, yeah. it depends on your community again. Um, I mean, in Iran, um, a lot of people that live in the upper class and in Tehran, they also live in their own social bubble that they think all of the country is liberal and uh, <laughs> it's just a government that is uber-religious. But that's also because they only they, they live in their own social bubble. Once they step out of Upper Tehran and go to I don't know Qom or Mashhad, they realize that their country, their own country, is much more religious than they assumed it was. So, yeah, there's some places uh, in North America that are like that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I tell statistics of how religious Iran is to other Iranians, and they don't believe it. They're like, no, Iran is. It's just the government. People are liberal and secular. They're like, no, it's not like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, the statistics are more accurate than your own personal experiences. So, well, I, you know, I've had interesting conversations with some of my um, some of my friends that I've made later in life. Like, I went to university, so a lot of them come from different types of families than my background. Um, a lot of times in discussions, I'll be kind of the odd person because I was a fundamentalist at one point, okay. uh, yeah, Christian, right? So. I'll talk to them about, all right, when, when you're talking about uh, religious people, when they tell you that they devoutly believe X, Y, or Z, why is it you just laugh it off and you don't believe them that they actually believe it? Right? Well, no one could really believe that. I'm like, uh, yeah, they could. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, I, I could tell that they could because I used to believe them, right? So yeah. So I have, you know, we, we have personal experience with how it is to believe that these things actually happen, right? So people are like, no, people don't believe that. Yeah, they do, because I used to be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to try and explain to someone who's never had that mindset, though. Sometimes it's a... Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think it'd be a good idea for a lot of people who don't really believe it to spend a little time around people who do. Yeah. Also, another thing is that when people claim that um, some violence and oppression is purely political and has nothing to do with religious belief. Uh, they also haven't been with a lot of people that, you know, yeah. how these, how their mindset works. You know, it's not, you can't pin it down to just politics or to just religion. All of these things work hand in hand. Yeah. But religious belief does play a fundamental role in a lot of these actions and a lot of, a lot of, uh, yeah, maybe a lot of the, um, 
you know, the desire for revenge, the desire to hurt people maybe does exist um, within, you know, with a lot of people, um, even with that religion, but it's the religion that gives it the excuse and gives it um, immunity from prosecution yeah. and it allows it to manifest itself or, or else it would have been suppressed either by the individual itself or by the society. Well, I, you're probably thinking of uh, an example that I often try and throw back is uh, a lot of people that usually think that way uh, are pro-choice. I'm like when there's a group of Christians that are pro-life and they're, you know, they're standing outside of a, a clinic and they've got pictures of, you know, dead babies and what have you. Do you think that they're that they when they say that they're there for God, do you really believe that they're not there for God, that this is a cultural phenomenon that's totally separate from their faith? No, that I the mean, two I, intermingle. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to, I, I mean, I met atheists that think killing fetuses is murder. Yeah. But for me, it's hard to see how without religion, so many people could associate, you know, killing some, something that is not self-aware or conscious with murder, you know? Yeah. I think, I think to be able to, for so many people to have such a strong belief in, towards something like that, I mean, we don't. We don't consider many other living beings as self-aware or conscious as nobody gives gives a damn about their death. So they, this must have been this must have a strong root within religion. You know, maybe not for everybody, but I would suspect for most people. They had that well. They had that one table at the conference we're at. If you remember, it was uh, atheists or non-believers who yes, were pro-life. So they do exist. Yeah, they are there. Um, I know. My I have a theory on this. Would you like to hear it? Uh, why this is such a yeah, touchy well, subject yeah, for yeah. people. Uh, when it comes to spiritual belief, one of the comforts is that we have a destiny and that there's a purpose behind our creation. Uh, religious people even believe that there's a being who will take us up into heaven forever, right? So this is all revolving around the, the fear of meaninglessness or death. <laughs> mm. What abortion comes down to is uh, if you weren't instantly at some magic moment created as a soul or installed as a soul... That means you were just a series of biological processes that slowly became a conscious being, right? So this means that you can also die from a series of breaking down processes. I think yeah. it touches on the fear of death. It's just the opposite side of it. That's a very interesting. I I also have a um, reason why I think that this is becoming a, this is a big deal. Is yeah, you know that um, that might be the underlying psychology of it, but the reason why it's being used so much is because it's so useful. I think religion is losing its relevance more and more every day. Yeah. And, you know, the, the best way to make it more relevant, one of the very effective ways to make it seem relevant in our day-to-day -day life, even among religious people, they want to think like their religion does make a difference, is to show that lack of religion is making people commit genocide on a daily basis, right? Yeah. It's only religion that is convincing people that this that this should be stopped because without it we're basically killing innocents by millions like uh, nazi germany is nothing compared to what we're doing now based Sorry. on their argument and nothing nobody is stopping it and that's it's only god's law that is will, could come and save all these innocent lives so i think that's a very powerful argument to why your religion is because a lot of re religious people they also are becoming more convinced that with or without religion, their life would be the same. And they feel like they're living the same life as atheists. And you could be atheists, you could be religious people, and we could live together. But I think a lot of religious leaders don't like that because it makes 
religious very irrelevant you know so they want to remind to the religious people why their religion sets them apart so dramatically from the non-religious and why they should take their religion and their views much more seriously because it's basically you know in in different societies they focus on different things right for example um gay marriage in the united states is becoming a very hot topic but in the philippines when when gay relationship is such a huge part of their culture even though it's one of the most catholic countries in the world that's not you know they don't even talk about that as a as a sin you know it's not not that much at least i mean they don't focus on it divorce is a bigger issue in the philippines as as something sinful and against god's laws than than homosexuality because they know that that's not a battle that they're going to win so in each you know area they try to focus on the specific topic that shows how relevant religion is and how important they are and how seriously they should be taken. Yeah, I think you're right. When it comes to the abortion one, like you're talking about, even the names, uh, when you look at the two different sides, on the pro-choice side, their implication is that their opponents are anti-choice, which is a pretty serious charge. But on the other side, pro-life indicates that the other side are murderers. Yeah. (laughs) So you're right. It is a, a moral cause that they're they're championing uh, only on our side, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also I think it shows how um, you know a lot of people think like, oh, without God, with God, who cares? Let's just live our lives. But you know, if you have whoever is right, I think it matters. I mean, the the nature of our universe and the nature of who we are makes a fundamental difference in how what is the best way of going about living our lives you know whether whether you know a fetus has a soul in it or not or or you know i think these are if if a lot of people do if if a mass uh, two billion people on the planet do actually believe that this whole universe was created by some guy that died two thousand years ago on a cross or i mean that that if if that's your mindset i do think that has a has a fundamental influence of how we make decisions about uh, our role and what we do with it and how what we leave behind for our children and, and next generations. I do think it matters and I can't even see how could it not uh, matter, you know, whether yeah. whether do people believe that really a prophet got on a winged horse and visited heaven and met all the other prophets? Is that is do we live in a on a on a universe that that's actually within the realm of possibility or not? If if you actually do believe that, I don't I don't know how that not how could that not influence your um, decision making? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what that's what you call a worldview, right? You're gonna exactly. see it, you're gonna see it through that lens. Instead of, you know, instead of NASA, maybe we would have tried breeding genetically uh, engineered horses with wings. <laughs> I don't exactly know how it influences our decision making. You know, how we, on, on individual to individual is going to be very different, but I do think it, it will. And I do think it matters. Yeah. And I'm not even claiming that our view is correct and their view is wrong. I own, own, the only claim that I'm making here is that it matters and the discussion needs to be had. I don't think this is something that could be ignored. I mean, if yeah. Muslims could be right, Christians could be right, atheists could be right, let's just have that discussion. Let's have that discussion without getting offended with each other. Let's have yeah. that discussion without getting angry over our disagreements. You know, let's, but, let's provide the alternative views out there and let people make their decisions. But this allows for the discussion, right? If you, but for instance, uh, you and I uh, lived in the same area and our belief system in the area was predominantly Zeus and the Greek gods, right? You can see in the old stories, it, you know, even ancient, uh, in ancient Greek 
uh, plays, uh, what we have left from that time, that there was a pressure from the government that people were expected to still carry forward these beliefs in the gods and, and on some level socially, maybe not personally, but socially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that shuts down conversation. And what you'll see in all the artists and philosophers of the time is challenging that in some way. Like getting rid of those types of expectations and fears allows for the conversation. Disagreements, yes. I think disagreements always going to be there. Exactly. And and I think the, the problem we're having is that um, people see disagreements as an excuse for hating each other, right? Yeah. And we need to fight, fight that narrative. We, should, we need to show people that we could fundamentally disagree about everything and still not be against each other as individuals you know right yeah and if we could show that i think that's that's more important than the belief itself you know if we could show that me disagreeing with you does not mean that we have to hate each other then that's more important because it allows for people to be able to more freely select uh, the the views and see all the alternatives out there right without without that ability for us to be able to present all the different uh, you know alternative views yeah. that are out there then it, it doesn't matter what belief is true or what belief is not because you can't ever present it out there but but i think you know the problem is that a lot of um you know the religious ideologies they 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 only survive if they make the alternatives demonize the alternative because right. they do fail when it comes to um a logical defense so i think that's why uh the places where they do survive is where they make the suggestion of the alternative to 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 be evil um yeah, yeah and and i mean even atheists uh, do sometimes believe that you know so i hear for example atheists say you know i'm an atheist but i don't like to tell people i'm an atheist because i don't want to be confrontational <laughs> you know that's very interesting because that's that's saying that the atheist believes that just mentioning that you're an atheist is a confrontational act yeah. that shows how successful religion has been uh, to sh- to to present the idea that mentioning that you don't believe in a god is a hateful, sometimes hateful, sometimes confrontational, sometimes you you basically uh, challenging people's. Right? Nobody thinks that if you come and say, if you say you're Muslim, right, you're basically saying you believe Christianity is wrong. But nobody says like, oh, why are you saying you're? Why are you being so hateful by saying you're a Muslim? <laughs> it's offensive. Yeah, don't don't say that. You're basically telling me I'm a Christian, and you're telling me that Jesus is not God. That's a confrontational thing to do. Don't say don't say you're a Muslim. Yeah. That's a hateful thing to. You're nobody right. yeah. thinks that. So. So why is it that when an atheist comes and says that I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, why is that all of a sudden seen as a confrontational thing to do and, so, and a hateful yeah. thing to say? And I'd just like to know if you have any opinion for me to give to them on how to deal with their still Muslim parents. Um, well, it's, it's very different from family to family. Um, and I think... You know the most, you know, the most important thing for them. You know, I could I could relate to them because sometimes it really depends, right? But for them, they must feel that they're not losing you. You know, it's more important than making them not Muslim, right? They they're genuinely concerned that you're. Sometimes I don't know if this is true with you, but sometimes they're genuinely concerned that. Um, you know, you're losing your way and sometimes they feel like you're going to go to hell. Um, I mean, some parents are more accepting than the others, 
But I think more than, you know, a lot of, a lot of ex-Muslims I've seen, they try to argue their way out of this. And more often than not, that didn't work. I mean, it worked for me. My parents, eventually, both of them became atheists. But... <laughs> Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, it's, and you know, I've had this discussion with I, a friend of mine is an atheist. He's been an atheist uh, since he's quite young. Um, and when I first became an atheist and started saying it openly in places like Facebook, <laughs> at first I was pretty, I was pretty aggressive. So I'll give him points there. But um, you know, my whole family is—they're all religious. Uh, my brother's even a Christian minister, and uh, you know, they—they've been really pleasant about the whole thing. I haven't had a lot of hardship. But there was one relative that I was getting into arguments with, and my friend knew this person as well. And he started lecturing me, my friend, saying, look, you can't talk to them like this. They can't understand these things. And I said, you know, I think more of my relative for speaking honestly to them than you do. You think that they're too stupid and you're so smart that you figured it out. But I think if I can figure it out, then there's no reason that they can't understand at least enough to have a conversation with me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people, uh, they, they think that some people are lost, but the fact that we're talking to, to them, that means that we haven't given up on them, you know? Yeah. That we, means that, I mean, I, I do think that we shouldn't, uh, if somebody doesn't want to have a conversation, we shouldn't right, yeah. force a conversation on them, yeah. right? But if they are having a conversation with you voluntarily, there's no reason why you shouldn't. I mean, it, they, you don't have to adjust your tone. If they don't want to hear you, they could just not listen to you or just, you know, if they, could, if they don't want to have a discussion with you, they don't have a discussion with you. But um, as long as you're not forcing them to listen to you or if, 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 if people can uh, have the choice of of not being exposed to your podcast, to your blog, to your video, then you know it's up to them to decide what they listen to. But it's important for you to provide the choice for them out, you know, the option for them out there to be able to hear you out. Yeah, and, and that that basically, that, I think that's an act of kindness, not just from you. I mean, the Christian that comes and tries to save my soul, if if that if that genuinely is because he or she believes in a hell and thinks I'm going to burn in hell forever if she doesn't do that then that's also an act of kindness, you know, and I appreciate that. Yep. Um, sometimes it's mostly, you know, so sometimes religious people do that or even atheists do that because just because they want to win. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and th that's not really an act of kindness. But a lot of times it is. A lot of times if a Muslim comes to me and tries to convert me to Islam, not because he's very interested in just winning and showing him to himself that he's right, but he actually does believe that if he doesn't do that, I'm going to end up in hell for eternity. I mean, the guy is delusional and wrong, but he's kind at the same time because he's 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 genuinely interested in trying to get me out of eternal torture. Yeah. Um, and I do think that atheists also sometimes atheists um, are trying to just prove to, uh, that you know religion you know they're discussing just because they're interested in winning an argument. But also sometimes there are you know this, this having discussion with religious people uh, because they genuinely think that if you if you have a better understanding of how the world works and how um, and you know what, what if your belief better represents what um, the truth is out there, it's it's not just good for you personally. It's good for the entire planet. Uh, it's good for us as a as 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 a species to be able to live uh, in more in harmony with each other. If if our beliefs reflects reality, it's it's easier yeah. to it's we can make better decisions for ourselves and for our future. Um, and you know, atheists uh, that. 
do do that and do believe that i don't care if they're talking if the, if their videos or podcasts or blogs come off as nice and polite or they come off as aggressive or um you know offensive they genuinely care and they're trying their best to reach out to as many people as they can if you think that yeah. some people are, are are a lost cause you have given up on them uh, we haven't given up on them and uh, we're not going to we're not going to them and forcing our content on them we are standing where we are on our podcast and our blog posts and our facebook pages and they are coming to us so this 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 um claim that we're being offensive doesn't make any sense because they are reaching they are coming to us and finding our content all they have to do if 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 our content is disturbing to them is just not watch it if not watch the videos not watch our content and 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 it's interesting because sometimes uh we say that and i see i see people say well why are atheists if you're saying uh, people shouldn't be offended by our content. Then why are you offended by religious content? I, he, we, that's again changing what we're saying. We never said we sh- they shouldn't be offended. They can be offended. It's just that if they if it hurts them too much, they, they have the choice right. of not consuming the content. Yep. <laughs> sometimes sometimes and sometimes yes, you, you're offended, but you choose to fight fight what you're offended by. If you if you choose that, that's again that's fine. You could you could you could uh, you, a content offends you enough. Do you fight fight against it? You should do that if you want to. If it doesn't hurt you enough to to completely ignore it, and you know, it, we're doing the same thing, and we welcome the same thing. I do think a Christian should be able to advocate for their views. And most of you know, we tell pe- people come to us and tell us uh, tell us like, oh, you're basically evangelizing atheism just like the religious do. So basically, you're just like them. <laughs> Again. We we never people that think eva- Christians evangelizing or Muslims advocating Islam is a problem. They're basically against free speech as well. Christians should be able to evangelize as long as they're not forcing their view by laws on people. Right. They should be able to invite people to their views. Muslims should be able to do that. Yep. Everybody should be able to invite freely invite people. They should be able to go out there and preach to the whole world whatever they whatever they want to preach. Yeah. Anybody should be able to go out there and advocate for their views. It doesn't matter if. It's religious or not if you think that the uh, global warming is destroying our planet you should be able to go and tell people to uh, you know to, to come up with a solution if you think animal people are ignoring animal rights and animals are suffering you should be able to go yeah. out there and advocate people the, the you know religion doesn't have a monopoly over people going out there and uh, and uh, inviting people to consider their views so just because we uh, if we do that it sounds another thing that people say that we they say we're we're becoming like religious people is creating communities like uh, why since when atheism became a community um we're again becoming we're becoming more like religious like religions if we create groups of atheists again religion doesn't have a monopoly over communities absolutely you're right Commun- yeah. communities existed before religion after religion without religion people getting together because they share a view doesn't make it a religion right anybody can <laughs> and, you know and again the problem that we have with religion is not the fact that they get together they should be able to get together because they share their views that's not the problem we have with religions if you if you find other people that believe that racism is a is a pro, is becoming a huge problem in the united states and you want to get together 
together and talk about it, that doesn't make you a religion. That, that there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. You know, if people want to f- uh, get together because they think atheists are being discriminated against in Egypt, and you're in Egypt, and you want to find other atheists to meet up with and come up with ways to discuss this, or just find other people to be able to relate to, that that doesn't make you a religion, and and, and it doesn't even matter if it did make you a, like a religion. If you want to find other people like that, share your views. You should be able to build a community around it. Yeah, yeah. I think you got this. You got it pretty straight. I get, I'll give a, a an, an example. <clears throat> If you believe wearing bright yellow shoes is the most important thing in life, that's not a problem. People might not like it. The problem is if you try and force everyone else to wear bright yellow shoes. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. I don't know why that popped into my head, but it seemed like a good example. That's actually, I I use a similar example. For example, you know, the word atheist means people that don't believe in God. And people say, what's the point of defining yourself as something you're not rather than something you are you know and the example that they usually give is that why do you do people that don't play golf get together and say like we're not non-golfers and we don't (laughs) play golf and let's get together because we don't play golf uh that doesn't make any sense so why should why do we even have a word for atheism why do you even define yourself as an atheist um and i use the same example to sh- show them what, why it does make sense. Okay, as the, as, as the world is today, it doesn't make sense to create a community of non-golf. But imagine if uh, golfers got together and they s- decided to make golfing mandatory. They decided to uh, yeah. tax everybody and only fund golf and no other sport. And they decided to that make cars illegal and everybody should just drive in golf carts. They decided <laughs> that, you know, uh, everybody should wear golf uh, gloves to work and every day. Nobody should be seen without a golf, uh, you know, and it should be mandatory <laughs> teaching in all schools and all other sports should be demonized and nobody should ever be seen to play tennis or soccer. And there's going to be a penalty for it if you do play other sports. Yeah. At that point, I think it does start to make sense for non-golfers to get together. <laughs> <laughs> And start creating a community of a, non-golfers. And a go- they'd be a-golfists. Exactly. <laughs> in a world like that, then it would make sense. You know, if if not believing in God was normal and it was um, not demonized, then yeah, atheism, atheist activism would make no sense at all. And, and, you know, atheist activists try to fight for a world where atheist activism becomes irrelevant. You know, yeah. and I think that's what yeah. all activists, all activists do. Activists against racism are trying to fight for a world where their activism becomes irrelevant, right? Exactly. Animal yeah. rights activists are trying to fight for a world where their activism becomes irrelevant. So that's what we try to do. We try to atheist activists are trying to fight for a world for for the word atheist to become useless and not you know very relevant anymore. It becomes part of history books <laughs> where people look at you and go, uh, "Who cares? What are you, why don't we talk about something important?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As but opposed as, to as opposed to oh my goodness, what do you mean? <laughs> yes, but as the world is today. I do think we need atheist communities and I do believe yeah. atheists should get together and try to help each other out and, and support each other and provide protection for each other and provide community and friendship to each other. Yeah, uh, One of the most valuable things there is to feel like you are not alone. There are a lot of people who do come from a religious community family and maybe they do have an atheist uh, relative or someone in their community, but they're not a public about it, right? Or they don't know about it. 
it's nice to be able to go online and find out that you're not the only one, that there are other people who <laughs> come to some of the yeah. same conclusions, ask the same questions. Yeah, and actually that's that's what the gay rights movement has done very yeah. well in in North America because you know just a, just a few years ago when you when you discovered that you were gay and you were different you didn't you know we we used to live in a in in a society just not very long ago that you uh, that you felt that you are you know different you are disgusting you you are there's something wrong with you um, that there's something shameful about your own feelings about who you are. Um, and you know, it was because people decided to come out as gay and announce that they're gay and announce that they're not ashamed of who they are and that these other gay people that were in closets start noticing that there's much more of them that they're out, out there that they started seeing people that don't you know, give a crap what everybody thinks about them and that they, you know, they're, they're happy with who they are and they wouldn't change it. And they are, um, you know, proudly open about it. And once, and a lot of straight people started noticing that, you know, people that they love or people that they care about or people that they admire when more and more of people came out as gay, they, they started re uh, thinking of how how disgusted they are about the fact that somebody is gay and maybe looking at it and diff- try to look at it right. uh, more openly and change their mind. You know, so I mean, I, I think and, and in a very short amount of time in in, in North America and in, in most of the planet, we we still haven't got this, but um, in Europe at least, and in North America and in Australia, uh, we we have changed how people view this and very dramatically in very short number of years. And I think, you know, atheists could, um, you know, the atheist rights movement is, should be the next movement as well. I and mean, if more people, I, th- I try to tell atheists that um, when they come out as atheists, it's not just about them. You know, you coming out as an atheist is basically trying, is helping other atheists that feel alone, feel ashamed. You know, the more and more people come out as atheists and openly announce their atheism, then they're normalizing it. You know, they're making it harder for people to to demonize you know the, the less people that, that are apologetic about their atheism that are ashamed or they feel the, that they think that they, you know they're alone or they should be ostracized they should they, they need to you know especially in, in many countries where uh, their own family will turn back on them if they come at the yeah. atheist at least even if even if they die without living in a society that they could openly be atheist at least they they noticed they saw people out there that you know that were okay about their atheism and they're open about their atheism and and they could they could you know they admire them in secret i know a lot of, like many gay people probably died died without ever being open about them being gay or they're telling anybody uh, that they're gay but if they saw the people maybe they at least die with the hope that the world is changing you know that you know, maybe the next generation uh, where they live, they, the next people that come of gay, they, they're not going to be ashamed of who they are. And I think we should, we, that's a gift that we could give to people. If, if we can at least give, give the gift of you not being ashamed or uh, in hiding for who you are, at least we could give them hope that we are going in the right direction. And at one point, people are not going to see you as evil just because you didn't buy into their fairy tale. 
There's uh, now there's uh, a positive use for anonymity online. People being able to communicate about this stuff if they live in an area where they feel that they can't uh, safely and openly do so. Uh, so one of the things that's been going on lately is there's been a lot of push by, um, I guess, what we consider left or liberal in the West right now, even at the UN. They're trying to eliminate basically all unhappy communication, I would say, between people by eliminating anonymity. So, for instance, uh, at the UN, they were they made a report pushing for countries to try and get every company that works online, like Twitter, Facebook, to be responsible legally for everything said on their services. Yeah. So if this happens, their solution is then the government should say you have to report everything and monitor everything that goes on and all anonymity ends. So interesting, interesting spillover into every single area of communication. Then you lose positive as well as negative. I don't don't think they would ever be able to do that. The technology is like growing faster than they can. All this is going to do is going to increase push for software and in technology that's going to keep your identity hidden. I mean, right now, the the darknet is growing faster and it's becoming easier for people to go there beyond the reach of any government to be able to talk to each other. It's just going to become easier and easier for people to figure out ways to go, you know, go around. I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right. Because that yeah. would be, uh, I, I don't personally, I don't, I'm not worried about it for my own communication online. But I, like I say, I know there are people who just don't, they want to be able to communicate, not for nefarious reasons. They just, they don't feel like they can communicate openly unless they are anonymous. I don't think it makes you a bad person automatically. The, the fact the fact that, you know, uh, governments are pushing for this just shows how out of touch, you know, our laws and regulations are when it comes to the way that the world is heading. But I, I, I am, you know, it is, it is dangerous. It, you know, a lot of people, we shouldn't, we shouldn't. Um, be too satisfied with ourselves because uh, and the progress that we're making because it it does you know if you ever study history you can see how easy it is for yeah. things to shift in the right wrong direction yeah. really fast really absolutely sort of, and for so many people to suffer for very for just a few people making very bad decisions I do think we need to be out there i mean if more people need to become activists more people out there need to be vocal no more people out there need to uh you know call out you know bullshit when they see it uh, or or try to push for a more open world i mean you know based on statistics the world is actually going to become a more religious place even though the united states and the west is becoming less religious the world as a whole will become more religious if if uh, we don't come up come up with a way to reach out to people because based on um, you know population growth you know um, Islam is growing faster than any religion as as a percentage wise and total number wise and atheism is actually going to be shrinking and the only way that we could change that is by us being able to freely reach out to the next generation and provide an option right. for people just to consider you know not to force them to you know to, to to our content just as an alternative to consider and you know if if everything was only left by uh, you know population growth and growth rate you know we I, I think we will be moving in the wrong direction and that's really scary you know because you know technology is growing and it's becoming easier for people to do big small people to do big things and if people's ideology doesn't reflect reality those decisions could be very detrimental to 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 to, to the whole planet so the only way to change that is to to basically for us activists 
to be able to go and reach out to to everybody, especially the generation that hasn't made up their mind yet. And to be able to do that freely, all these barriers of communi- communication needs to be broken. Yeah. Um, and you know, you have the, the barriers of communication could be legally enforced or it could be psychologically enforced. Legally is when government tries to come, you know, when it comes and tries to limit social media, uh, tries to outlaw certain kind of speech. Um, you know, within their country. Yeah. And I think I'm not, I mean, I think those, those could be broken easily, but the psychological barrier is when people, uh, that's harder to break. And that's, I think that's a bigger barrier than the legal barriers. I think the, those barriers are where people are um, trained to be offended, trained to uh, bring their guards up as soon as some somebody introduces a view that yeah. uh, might question their, their already held belief. And I think that's the last uh, defense line when it comes to the religion. You know, that's that's the last barrier and it's the, the strongest barrier. And, and I think that's the barrier that we need to fight against. This whole idea of um, me being offended means I, I need, we need to be able to f- somehow shut you down. Right. Um, you know, I mean, if, <laughs> if, if, it, if it was me being offended, therefore I'm not going to listen to you. That's one thing. But I think the problem is that people don't stop at that. People people's the way they think is that me i'm offended then therefore you're going down yeah Um, (laughs) yeah and 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 it's it's in a a debate that's fine you know if you've got the better arguments good job (laughs) <laughs> but the, the, the sad part of it is that they're actually successful at, at, at taking the, you know, taking offensive content down, even, even on you know, Facebook, where it's supposed to be the, you know, a, a tool against um, all limitations of freedom of speech right now. I mean, Atheist Republic is one of the largest Facebook pages when it comes to atheism out there, we have more than a, mil- a million followers and still we're getting our admins are getting blocked because of c- content that we're putting on the page. Our page is getting warnings. Uh, I, I Right now, I'm, I, my profile has a seven day block on it. It has three more days left. Oh, for really? Posting, yeah. A post that I, I post, I shared from another Facebook page on Atheist Republic and I reviewed the community standards of Facebook as there's it violates none of the community standards. And the interesting thing is that the post that I shared didn't get taken down, but my sharing of it on Atheist Republic got taken down and nobody else that shared that got their post got taken down only on Atheist Republic. And this is not because it broke any community standards. It's because a lot of, there's a lot of Islamic groups that when they don't like a content, they just have thousands of thousands of people that mass report content until Facebook's algorithm automatically takes that. There's nobody, I mean, I don't think there's nobody on Facebook reviewing these things. It's just based on the number of reports and they figure this thing out. And the fact that they are so effective at getting an army of people just to you know, reports, a yeah, post that they were taken down. I think the term a lot of people use for that is false flagging. They don't like what you say, as opposed to you said something you're not allowed to say. Exactly. You know, and so they just hit you with, with you know, flagging you as a, you know, a violator when you're not. And so then Facebook or whoever it is, YouTube, Twitter, they just see the number of reports and, and they don't have enough staff to actually manually go through everything. So they just go, well, you've got so many. Yeah, let's hit them. Yes. The near completion of a very interesting and probably very important case is happening here at Old City Hall today. Um, It's the so-called Twitter case where a man named Greg Elliott is accused of criminal harassment via Twitter by uh, now two, originally it was three, young women. Anyway, these two women, Ms. Guthrie and another, um, 
say that uh, in spring and summer of 2012, uh, Mr. Elliott was criminally harassing them. In fact, though, the investigating officer who charged Mr. Elliott has acknowledged in his testimony that um, Mr. Elliott never threatened either of these women. He never used any sexual innuendo. He didn't do anything that you would typically associate with uh, harassing behavior and I guess the bottom line of the the allegation here is that if the uh, alleged uh, target of tweets or presumably Instagram or any of the other social media feels as though you're harassing them maybe you are harassing them I find it an astonishing concept actually that just because I might feel a certain way that would make it so Hi, Media. Can I talk to you? No, you need no. to get out. Well, you need to get out. No, I don't. You need to get out. I actually don't. All right. Hey, who wants to help me get this reporter out of here? I need some muscle over here. Help me get him out. Who's going to help me? Are you documenting? What are you I'm doing? I'm documenting. Okay, well, you need, you need to get out. You need to get out. This is public property. And yeah, I know that's a really good one. I'm a communication faculty, and I really get that argument. But so you need to go. You need to go. You need to go. So please respect these people. I think it's very simple. I, I, I didn't see you respecting that reporter. inside these groups that we see what they do they uh, they actually have very effective instructions of exactly how you report what you click on they done the screenshots they, they they train their people and it's it's interesting that they have managed to get thousands of thousands of people that are just ready for you to tell them what to start reporting and what to start flagging and it shows that you know they if they could get so many people that you know just blindly follow whatever you because it, what I notice is that a lot of people can't don't even speak the language of the post, but they just they're just waiting for you to tell them what what something anti-Islamic that needs to be taken down. So you know, it, for the way social media works, and you know, this is this is very important because social media is right now the the number one way of outreach. But the way that social media works is that the um, the more followers you have, and the more interactive people, the more interactions people have with you, the the, the wider the reach is going to be. And the you know the the sheep-like uh, mentality that a lot of followers of these religious groups uh, have it makes them very effective on social media. A lot of you know people that follow atheist pages, they think like, yeah, social media is making atheism available everywhere, and we're reaching to people, and that's that's going to be the end of religion. But the truth is that actually a lot of religious groups they're doing much a much better job on social media than we are I mean we have the, one of the largest atheist pages and we're just over 1 million but if you look at like the Islamic pages and Christian pages they have 4 million 5 million they have many you know 
for every one page that we have, they have many uh, groups of followers everywhere. And uh, and you know when they when when a Christian sees a Christian post on their feed, they feel obligated to like it, share it, comment on it. Um, but you know uh, our atheist groups, when when we make a post, they actually half of the followers hate it, and they like already even though they're atheists, <laughs> they like disagree with it, and yeah. that's great because we basically we are. We're overly critical of each other, which is actually a good thing. But the, yep. the, the problem is that they are, um, you know, this is the age of information and it's easier for us to um, reach out to people. But it's also the age of misinformation. That means there's a, an, a, yes. a, yeah, there's a lot of noise out there that this good information is buried under. And, you know, people's bullshit radar is not very strong. And the problem is that when you put so much noise out there, it becomes difficult for people to 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 go through all that bullshit and discover. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, the, it, the, the old expression, know. the old expression used to be "knowledge is power," and I think what they meant by that is the acquisition of power of knowledge is power. Now it means the understanding of what knowledge is real <laughs> or true. Exactly. That is yeah. power. Yeah, and and you know, I think a lot of um, these, for example, Islamic funded social media campaigns are they have they realize that they they can't if they can't shut you out they have to bury you you know they have to bury you in in noise they have to silence you like that because if you can't tell if you if somebody is speaking and you can't shut them up just start screaming around them until nobody can hear them yeah drown them out yeah 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 and and it's working and that's very effective so we we do need um more people to join us join you start your own podcast and figure out come up with strategies for us to to break through all that noise uh so yeah and and actually if 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 anybody is interested in joining atheist republic as a volunteer we we have our team is growing really fast we have more than 200 uh, members now um, that join our team as a volunteer and if you go to atheistrepublic.com uh, you could join our team. We are every day. We're trying to come up with ways to uh, find a way to reach out to people. Not you know, uh, not just in North America or Europe. It's mostly to pe- to places where it's harder for people yeah. uh, to be reached out to. Um, you know, in Egypt, even in Saudi Arabia, in Pakistan, in Philippines, in Brazil, in Mexico, in Indonesia, in Bangladesh. If we, if if you if you're a Bangladeshi blogger and you want to blog without your identity being out there because it's dangerous for you, you know, come to Atheist Republic and blog under a pseudonym in Atheist Republic. Yeah. Or if you want to start your own podcast, you know, uh, if you want to start your own website, just do it. It's, it does it for you know. It might seem very small thing to do, but. It does make it, it takes all of us together to be able to do something. So it's a rewarding experience. Yes. Yeah. You know, doing your thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't even. What I'm hoping is that even if if we make a small dent, and I mean, we might not see the effect of it while we're alive, but I'm hoping after us, maybe this dent because becomes something much bigger. Yeah. Uh, and turns into my, um. Yeah, maybe. The only thing we could do is try, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, might, the worst we can do the worst we can do is fail <laughs> yeah yeah the, the important thing is not to give up right if, yeah. if, if we're going down we're going down fighting <laughs> i listen um i remember you were giving a little bit about your your own story i found it really interesting to listen to would you mind if i asked you just uh 
for your own experience, how you became an atheist? Um, yeah. Um, so, um, you, you want the full story? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, okay. I was, I was born in Iran, in Tehran. Um, and I was born in a very liberal family. My family wasn't religious. They called themselves Muslim, but they, for, they, they didn't follow anything that could be considered Islamic. Um, but from a very young uh, age, I, I, you know, even though my parents didn't teach me anything about Islam, my school did. And the whole idea of hell and going to hell was very troubling to me, especially for because um, based on what they told me at school, my, my parents would end up in hell as well uh, forever because they oh, didn't wow. pray. Yeah, because they didn't pray. They didn't fast. My father drank alcohol. Um, so both of them were going to end up in hell. And for me, the idea of my mom burning in hell was a very troubling thing to consider. Um, and you know, I, I want, I would promise myself to be a good Muslim and pray and fast just to be able to avoid hell. But, you know, I didn't know what's going to happen to my parents. Um, one thing I did realize is that, um, you know, I might Actually, I predicted this from a very young age that I might change, and even if I do become a good Muslim, I might actually one day not be a, end up, you know, leaving Islam, and then I'm going to end up in hell. Um, I was very terrified about that, right? I I told my religious teachers, "What if I become a bad person?" Uh, and my teacher's answer was always, "Well, just don't become a bad person. You're going to be in heaven." But like they didn't understand why I was so nervous about just it. Just don't, just don't become a bad person. Yeah, I just don't. Look, but but for me, it seemed like people didn't uh, worry enough. I, as a kid, I was like, everybody around me believes that hell is real, but they're convinced that they're not going to end up there. Um, and I didn't understand how they were so sure about it. You know, most of the people I knew didn't pray, didn't go to a mosque or anything. Uh, I mean, I ask people, so, you know, you're drinking alcohol, you're having sex before marriage, aren't you afraid of going to hell? Their answer is usually like, oh, I don't, I don't think God cares about these, you know, small little things. Do you really think God, the creator of the universe cares about my sex life? Um, you know, and, and I, and I felt like, okay, sure. But are you sure about that? Like, how do you know? Like, don't you want to be sure? Like you do believe that there's a place where you could burn forever and you, you're just like guessing, you know, I mean, people, people worried about their grades, about their career, about what they, you know, about so many things about what they're going to be dress, dressing for their party tomorrow, or if their haircut is good, but nobody seems to be that much concerned about the fact that they could end up in this place that they're going to be burning for eternity you know they, they didn't you know if if that was real i would think the only thing that makes sense is to on, on a daily basis to come up with plans to figure out how to make sure that you don't end up there that would be the only logical thing to do um so what one thing they told us in school was um that you know based on our the, the way Islam was taught to us was that, um, you know, in, in Christianity, you have the concept of original sin. So everybody is born with sin. But in Islam, um, ch children can't sin. So for a girl, there's no such okay. thing before before sin, before nine, before age nine, there's no such thing as sin. For boys, there's no such thing as sin before age 15, right? So boys under age 15 they're pure they're sinless there's uh, girls before age nine they're also pure uh, they they're without sin 
So that means that if you, whatever you've done, whatever, uh, if you die before age 15, you're going to end up in heaven because you had not sinned. Or, uh, it's clean slate. Or girls. Yeah, exactly. And actually, it's interesting because in school, they made fun of Christianity for thinking that babies are have sin because like, how, how, could, you, how, could, you, how could you be sinful if you don't even know what's right or wrong? Um, Crying the wrong way. Yeah, well, it's, you know, for a lot of things that it's interesting because a lot of the things is that atheists make fun of Christians for. We also, um, as Muslims, also use the same stories to make fun of Christians. That's yeah. funny. Even people who don't agree, when you get a third party, then you can both get together and laugh at them, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so for me, when this seemed like an obvious loophole when I learned this, because for me, why would I, yeah. why would I not just kill myself before age fifteen and just make sure I go to heaven, right? right? Because in Islam, killing, you know, suicide is is a is a big sin, right? It's a serious sin that you can come in. You are going to go to hell if you kill yourself, right? Yeah. But not unless you do it before age 15, right? <laughs> so, so I was like, well, then I should just kill myself before I become 15. That, that to me, it seems like an obvious decision. Why would I stay around and gamble the possibility of going, you know, between going and, you know, why would I gamble my soul? Right. I just make I just get guaranteed heaven and less sticking around and just seeing uh, if I'm going to be a good person or not. Right. right. I'll just ch check out early and go to heaven. I mean, it's the whole thing seemed like a game to me that I would never ask to play. And the penalties of not winning this game seemed huge. Even if there was one person chance of me losing this game, I thought like there right. it doesn't make sense to play this game. Because you were you were taking the teaching literally. Everybody did, but it seemed like nobody cared enough to um, to try to come up with a solution. You know, I mean, you know, the thing is with Islam, you know, in Christianity, you have fundamentalist. You, the term, the terminology that people use is that you have fundamental Christians that take the Bible literally, literally, and you have the martyrs that don't. But in Islam, you know, the people that are martyrs, they also take Islam you know the quran word by word it's the word of god it's yeah. nobody nobody i mean no if 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 there is a muslim that thinks that the quran is not the direct word of god they are in the most fringe minority of muslims out there <laughs> every muslim even the ones that don't follow islam believes almost every muslim and i have not yet met a muslim that doesn't believe this uh believes that the word of in the quran is absolutely directly word by word the word of god right right uh, most of them have not read it most of them have no idea what's in it but yet they do believe <laughs> that it's the direct word of god and, and that was another weird thing for me because for me it was very strange that you think that the creator of the whole universe wrote a book and you have read other books and not have yet read yes it. that's right <laughs> Uh, why would you not read this? This is the the author of this book is the creator of the fucking universe, and you have not <laughs> taken the time to read it. Like, seriously, it's interesting. It was very strange to me. This is not, um, but that that is not unique to to the to Islam. It is yes. uh, very common, I think, with every major faith. Yeah, exactly. But so, um, so I actually tried. I uh, when when I was, uh, I think I was around twelve years old that I jumped out of the. Uh, window of my school um, landed on concrete uh, floor and 
didn't I didn't die, obviously. <laughs> uh, I I ended up on a wheelchair for seven months. Uh, I broke both my legs, my hand, and I uh, damaged my back, almost oh. became paralyzed. Um, I had multiple surgeries done on my ankle. Um, and um, the only reason why I didn't try again was because I saw the effect I had on my uh, parents. You know, I saw my father cry for the first time. I saw my mom collapse in the hospital. Uh, and I thought, like, I actually, uh, I didn't want to do that to them again. So when I became, when I when I reached age 15, I decided that I, I need to, this, the only way out now is to just be a good Muslim and follow everything, uh, follow Islam. Yeah. Um, so I, I took Islam more seriously. I started praying, I started fasting, I started um, reading the Quran. And you know, most of the religious uh, people around me, they were... Um, yeah, they were very um, mostly obsessed with the is specific Islamic teaching. To to be fair, most of the people around me weren't very religious, but I did try to uh, be around, you know, religious. Um, you know, my favorite teachers became my Islamic teacher. I started hanging out with them more. I started uh, showing up at the mosque uh, in our school more. Um, but I was also more interested in learning more about God himself rather than specific islamic teachings which i really didn't know if they were accurate or not right um i was more interested in the quran itself rather than uh, these all these other books that religious people wrote um uh, and i also was interested in the still interested in saving my parents my parents were starting to get really annoyed with me because i tried to uh, get them to pray <laughs> and they, they were not very interested they, they were freaked out because all of a sudden their son turned into a fundamentalist yes. <laughs> so they're so, already they're already frightened enough about the, the the hospital incident you know the injuries and then you're done that and now you become a fundamentalist <laughs> yeah they, i think they they saw that because they 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 realized that i committed suicide they they thought because i was depressed but it wasn't because i was depressed i was really I had no, I have no problems with depression. I was just trying to not go to yeah, hell. Yeah. But they believed I didn't. They didn't know why I did that. So they believed I was depressed, and they saw me becoming religious as a coping mechanism. You know. But for me, everything was a rational calculation rather than trying to, you know, cope with my emotions. Everything was basically trying to figure out how I could best um, avoid going to hell. Um, but so they let it just, they, they didn't want me, to, uh, they, they didn't try to make me not religious because they were afraid of me trying to commit suicide again. Um, so they let it go. But for me, this whole idea of not praying and not, and being not Muslim and earns you an eternity in hell still didn't make any sense, you know, and I didn't want to question God, but for me, I had to see why, how could this be possible? I mean... I I remember watching the news and you know Western news and watching movies and thinking you know all these people are going to end up in hell all of them you know forever yeah. it seems and you know people that watched American movies they enjoyed it but right for me it was very strange that how could you how could you like they had soccer you know in Iran soccer is very popular and people had their favorite players from Germany and like do these people realize that they all gonna end up in why how could you like watch this and like favorite and admire people that you know they're gonna end up in hell I, I even still today I have like um friends that are Muslim 
religious Muslims that I asked them, you got, you, you know, that they like me as a person and still believe that I'm going to end up in hell forever. And, you know, usually uh, when I ask them, how, how do you think that's fair? How, why would God do that to me or to other people that you admire? Like yeah. for them, it was like, this is God's, you know, it's beyond that. Their most popular answer is that it's beyond our understanding. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it makes sense. It makes sense to God. So it's good, good enough for me. For me, it didn't make any sense. And for me at that time, if it didn't make sense, um, you can't, you can't just say that it makes sense to God, because if it makes, if it doesn't make sense to me, but it makes sense to God, then God doesn't make sense. And how could I believe in God if I, if it doesn't make sense to me? Right. Yeah. But that's not how I thought about it back then, but that's how I felt back then. Right. This has to make sense because you know, unlike what I see a lot of Christians argue with me is like, it's not based on logic. It's not based on reason. It's based on faith. The way Islam was, you know, taught, uh, taught to us was that it has to make sense. Everything is based on logic, right? So that was my underlying view as well. So if it ma- didn't make a logical sense, then it didn't make sense. Right. So yeah. for, for, for me, um, my belief had to be based on logic, had to be based on rationality and what makes sense. And I, you know, I didn't admit that to myself openly because I knew God could see what I'm thinking. Yes. You know, that actually Thought makes crimes. Sense. Thought crimes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, doubting things makes is very difficult when you know, when you think that your, your yes. deity could see in your head. You can't trust that, your own brain. Exactly. Every time you start questioning you something, you have to suppress it because you fear what, what, how God will judge you if you, if yeah. you can, when He sees that you're doubting your belief system. It's actually a very powerful tool uh, against doubt. You know, uh, criminalizing doubt. You know, the the most effective tyrant is not just the tyrant of your actions, the tyrant of your thoughts as well. The 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 best form of uh, you know, controlling people is to be able to control people even when you're not watching them. And the yeah. best way to do that is to convince them that they're being watched, even if they can't see who's watching them. Uh, and to yeah. be, basically to make to make people police their own thoughts because you can't do that effectively yourself. It's have, very powerful and very effective. Have you heard that of that study? I can't remember who it is that had it, but essentially the study is they take a class of children. And when they leave the room, obviously the teacher leaves the room, they have a camera there, they don't know it, they all misbehave. So then what they do next time around is they have the teacher introduce the magic princess who's invisible, and she's sitting in the teacher's seat, and she's watching and is going to tell the teacher everything that they've done. And then when these are just little, little, little kids, right, little kindergarten kids. So when they leave, the kids behave. <laughs> and this, this, to me, was a huge um, example of how our brains work with this type of, uh, there's an invisible being that knows what you're doing type of control yeah, exactly yeah and it works it really works i mean i met you have no idea how many times i i i felt disgusted with myself just because i i was a teenager that was discovering that i'm attracted to girls right yeah. and every time you discover that and you think god can see yet you're yes. having these thoughts <laughs> you're, you're just you just feel that you have you you find yourself apologizing to create to the creator of your universe that was so kind and so merciful to create you and give you so much uh, and yet you are so weak and so pathetic not to be able to yeah. uh, control your own <laughs> you know uh, natural urges and yes. to not have these disgusting <laughs> um shameful thoughts you know and, and you feel so um you feel so disappointed with yourself and then you could you, you could actually feel the disappointment of of your creator inside your head and feel yeah. so 
you start mentally punishing yourself and you start seeing you you find yourself apologizing to to nothing yeah uh, yeah but eventually when i i, I said, decided to start studying these other religions and to maybe hope to find something that shows that these religions are basically the same as islam and these people are not going to end up in hell you know maybe 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 they're the same maybe they're not so different maybe they're not evil you know, the process of <clears throat> studying other religions started making me consider the fact that maybe, <laughs> maybe we don't have it right, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, how I, I started, you know, thinking like, when did I even start assuming that this is true? Like, why, at what point did I? You started backtracking on, on yeah, when it started, like, yeah. Hey, yeah, like, why did we even accept this anyway? This, this is The Thinking Atheist. Worldwide. And I've got Armin Navabi. He is the founder of Atheist Republic at atheistrepublic.com and also author of the book Why There Is No God, which you can find now, believe it or not, at audible.com. Armin, thanks so much for being a part of the broadcast this evening. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'll start with you, Armin. You are an ex Muslim. You were once a devout Muslim. What's your backstory? Um, yeah, I, I, I was born in Iran. Um, I was raised in a fairly liberal family. Uh, so they weren't, I mean, they called themselves Muslims, but they didn't practice Islam. Uh, I became a very religious during uh, my teen years. Um, for a short while, it didn't last more than a year. I took Islam much more seriously around age 15, which scared the hell out of my parents. But eventually, because I took Islam more seriously and I studied Islam more closely, that eventually turned me into an atheist. This is the, you know, this is actually the original meaning of the word ideology, as I understand it, is the tracing back of where ideas begin. Oh, I didn't know that. That was how it was originally used, I guess. Yeah. So. I mean, for, for, for a lot of people, the only reason why they have an ideology is because they've never considered that something else could be true, right? That's it's it, not because yeah. at one point that they decided, okay, I'm going to become Muslim now, or I'm going to become Christian now. It's because you've never considered that it could right. be something else, yeah. right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and as soon as I started considering that, the floodgates of doubt started opening. And I, it was terrifying at first because... Um, because the more I started thinking at, at that possibility, the more obvious it started becoming. Because when I, when I started looking at other religions, it also became quite uh, apparent that it seems like throughout history, Islam was not the actual religion. There were other religions. <laughs> they started you know, borrowing from each other, adapting to this. Yeah. Because the way we were told is like Islam was always their religion. Even before Muhammad, Islam was God's religion. Since Adam, yeah. Islam was Yeah, Christians are the same way, yeah. yeah. But, but, <laughs> but there were times in history that nobody even, you know, the, yeah. uh, people worshipped many gods. And this whole idea of having one god seemed ridiculous to some many people, right, at some point. And then to me, seemed like, what, what if, and to me at that, at that point, having many gods seemed ridiculous. Um, and, and, and then I thought like, what, well, why, why is the idea of having one God not ridiculous? Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's the difference? Like, how do we know that they were right and uh, we are wrong? Um, and yeah, so it's that, that, you know, and you know, once you start opening that door that you can never shut, you know, I, 
have it shut. But but another thing very interesting is that um, to me, um, when I when I introduced the same doubt to my friends, uh, the first people that I started mentioning this to, yeah, they they also became atheists within within a week. Um, so so the underlying do, doubts were probably already there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if they would call themselves atheists, but because they started dramatically questioning everything, I do believe that they were um, uh, at least they're heretics, ag- agno- agnostic <laughs> atheists. Like they, they stopped basically being so sure about their yes, bodies, yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So you know, it, um, this is a, this is very important because a lot of people give up on religious countries because they think they're too religious to consider atheism. They think they're too backwards. They're too. They're. They haven't. They, those communities have not matured enough for us to introduce atheism there. All we could be, all, all we could hope for is just a more moderate version of their religion. Maybe reformation, not atheism, not secularism. But I, I actually argue that actually, I, in those places, I think atheism has a better chance in more secular countries because in secular countries, atheism has already come out and people have already been introduced to it so a lot of people that are not atheists have already seen atheism as atheism as an alternative and said no to it but in more religious countries yeah a lot of people the only reason why they are not atheists yet is because they have never even considered it exactly yeah absolutely so a lot of there, there are a lot of smart people there. There are a lot of people that are natural skeptics. That all you have to do is just introduce them to this possibility, and they're just natural atheists. So I do believe that in a lot of many in a lot more religious countries, I do think that atheism actually has much more room to grow than in more secular and uh, more you know um, open countries. It's just that we just haven't reached out to a lot of these people that we need yeah. to be able to get to. Introducing the idea. Yeah, the big idea is, uh, you know, not just that you have cognitive dissonance, right? Those those ideas that are starting to conflict in your mind. But, hey, have you ever considered the possibility that maybe some of the ideas you hold, you just don't need them? <laughs> yeah. Or, it's or a big that breakthrough. You might be wrong. Yeah. Or, that, yeah. or have you ever, I mean, a lot of people will, uh, you know, admit that they could be very wrong about many things. But then all of a sudden, if you take that, I'm like, well, what if you're wrong about God, you know? Yeah. Um, they they start you know maybe at first they were like no I don't this is different but then I do think a lot of them will start contemplating that and start considering that as an option right and I do think that we do have if we could get if break through all the noise if we could break through um, all the barriers that are out there whether if it's legal whether if it's the extra noise that it's out there or whether if it's psychological taking offense. Um, I do think that we have a great chance. You know, I do believe that the statistics that show Islam is going to grow faster than atheism as a percentage. I do think that the only way we could challenge that is to for us to reach out to to the new generation. But another another thing we need to do is not just to reach out to them, but also give them bullshit detectors. And that that means yeah. not, not just introduce them to atheism, but also introduce them to um, you know, logical fallacies and how you could actually the critical tools thinking, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the tools that you need to be able to just decide whether something makes sense or not. I think that was my one two punch for me becoming an atheist was uh university gave me the uh the tools of critical reasoning. You have to develop them if you're going to be in university. That's how, kind of how they grade you. <laughs> and then uh, then the second step was someone basically introducing me to the idea that it was okay to challenge things I had assumed were true. Or in other words, applying the critical reasoning. 
<laughs> that was my yeah. one-two punch, I think. That's great. That's actually, yeah. I, and another thing is that we do also need to make an emotional appeal to people because I do think that, uh, you know, many, if we rely on people's um, logical and critical thinking skills, we're going to be, unfortunately, we're going to leave most of the planet behind because most of the people uh, on, the, on, uh, on most of the, most of the people uh, unfortunately are not capable enough to be able to make the distinction, you know, to, to recognize if somebody is making a, a false argument or not. And the thing is that I do see a lot of people, especially in the atheist community, seeing the lack of common sense, lack of uh, the uh, pe people with less of an ability to uh, logically analyze things. They, they are, they, they are, you know, looked down upon and demonized or uh, called stupid. The, the, the problem is that, you know, those people are actually most, most people. And you know, the, the, the fact that a lot of people are not intelligent, the, the fact that a lot of people are not educated is, is, should not be, hold, we should not hold that against them because these are, uh, you know, intelligence or educations are, are, uh, dependent on your upbringing, dependent on your genetics, depending on the values that you grew up with in your family. Um, and even though, you know, common sense is not common, um, I do think that um, sympathy and people caring for each other and people wanting to see other people happy, that's something that is very common, right? And I think if we can appeal to people's logic, yeah. we are able to appeal to people's sense of sympathy. I do recognize that appealing to emotion is a logical fallacy, but I do believe among all emotions, sympathy is one emotion that is usually that moves us in the right direction rather than, you know, uh, compared to all our other emotions like fear or hatred. And I do believe, you know, I, I have talked to many theist people, probably more than is healthy, but um, <laughs> I, I have recognized that to most of the theists that I talk to, talking about logical fallacies and talk about talking about the needs of need for evidence or um, you know talking about the burden of proof, it's not going to work unless they have a, some background or some value for evidence or some value for logical an analysis of something before you start believing believing in it. For a lot of people, this comes to an emotional judgment call. And you're not going to be able to change that within, a, you know, one discussion or many discussions. Um, this is years and years of emotions built up in one person. But I, I have been very su successful with when it comes to reaching to people's sense of sympathy. One thing I try to point out to is um, the fact that, you know, it's cruel to burn somebody forever because they don't believe in something, right. even yeah. if even if they're wrong. Um, and how you know if you talk if you talk to a Muslim about terrorists and terrorists killing people, that's not gonna re that's not gonna make sense to them because they're gonna be like, well, Islam is a, a good religion. These are just terrorists. They're not following Islam. If you talk about crimes that you know being committed in the name of Christianity, I think it makes a good point that you know these could be just people that are just not following their religion. Uh, properly and, and yeah. God doesn't condone that. But when you start pointing at God's, their own uh, God characters' crimes and how God himself tortures 
yeah. billions of people simply for not worshiping him. Or wipes out entire peoples just because they were a different tribe at a certain time or something. Even that, even that, like they, they could argue away because if this world is just um, a, 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 a temporary and the next world is permanent, anything that happens in this world becomes insignificant, right? Yeah. But I try to focus on the afterlife, the fact that people in the afterlife and in, in, they're gonna stay in hell forever. That's nothing. That you know, all the genocides in the world, all the crimes in the world, it, are nothing compared to that, right? I just turned off my video so that the audio signal would improve a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no worries. But but I, I do I have had a lot more success with that because for a lot of people, you know, when I mention that, they, they could see my point. You know, when I'm talking about, um, you know, if somebody is interested in having the discussion about evidence and logical policies, I will have that discussion with them, and I have had success with that. But if somebody is still beyond having the, you know, if, um, having those discussions, I do try to reach out to their sense of sympathy. And they, they see my point. Every, almost everybody has seen my point. Even if they disagree with me, they can see where I'm coming from, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, let me, uh, another example that I, I like to give to people is that I was in a taxi uh, one time in the in the Philippines, um, and I don't know the 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 person starts talking about the Pope, and eventually talks the the taxi driver about God, and then eventually I mention him that I don't believe in that, and when I don't believe, when I mentioned that to him, he all of a sudden starts talking about atheism, and he thinks that atheism is ridiculous because uh, atheists believe that we come from monkeys. And how could we come from monkeys when there's some monkeys? And before he said that, I thought that was just an internet meme. I didn't know people actually say that. I, did, I thought that was just an atheist meme to make fun of religious people. But then all of a sudden, I saw somebody actually say that, how could we come from monkeys if we're, there are still monkeys out there? But, <laughs> you know, I, I tried, I, I, I thought about, you know, you know, when people say stuff like that, I, I, what, what you hear on the internet or, uh, is usually, I'll go, you know, go educate yourself or go read a science book or how could you be so stupid? But then I thought, you know, this guy is driving a taxi to probably feed his family, right? Do I really think that this guy makes sense for him to go uh, pick up a biology textbook and sort of trying to figure out how to provide for his family and make some money <laughs> to go sit around and flip through a biology textbook? Would I do that if I was him? I probably wouldn't do that if I was him. And it doesn't make sense for him to do that either. And guess what? You know, a lot of people that do talk about these things, they don't understand that they had the luxury of the time and the education or the value system that got them to the point to talk about these things. Most of, most of the planet is not there yet. Right? It's hard for us to remember that because we, you know, we are we have reached a point where we know what happened after the. We probably know what happened after the Big Bang to like to a one millionth of a second after it started, right? And we are now, you know, sending rovers to Mars, and we know what's happening at, you know, far away corners of our um, of our universe. We, see, we know what's going, and and for us to remember that most of the humans alive today. They have no idea about any of these things, or they think that the whole universe was created by this guy, this, you know, 
person that died on a cross 2000 years ago or that, uh, you know, Muhammad got on a winged horse and went to heaven. Most of the planet is still there, right? And it's hard for us to remind how, how, where most of the planet is right now when we are, when we're surrounding ourselves with critical thinkers and people that think like us or people that are interested in science or interested in, uh, you know, education and talking about these you know when you when you surround yourself with that you think that we have matured so much but we haven't you know we have been accomplished all of that with a fraction of our planet and the rest of the uh, human race is just taking advantage of it without even understanding it right right or or even admiring it i mean i we don't probably understand most of it either but at least we admire it, the the value system that got us there right but you think maybe that uh what you're talking about we're kind of getting at is that not everyone is in a position to have a formal debate um this is more about connecting the people appealing to their humanity I'm saying it's, that we, yeah. we can't give up on them just because they're not there yet. If we're going right. to give up, if we if we are going to give up on people that are not logical thinkers, that means we have to give up on most of this planet. And I'm not, in, and I don't feel comfortable uh, in giving <laughs> well, up. Well, I people. just, I just meant that uh, just because you're you're trying to connect to their, your common humanity, sure, you could technically say that's appealing to emotion, but not everything is a formal debate. This is just a way of connecting to another human being. Uh, in people in many different walks of lives. Like that's what you're talking about. Not yes. everyone's life reflects uh, our own, you know, if we've been to post-secondary education or we're in a scientific field, um, even people that are able to go and sit in a nice uh, conference room and listen to some excellent speakers or debates. Uh, some people, that's just not their world at all. Exactly. And, and, and the reason why we prefer appealing to people's log- uh, sense of logic rather than emotion is because logic, uh, more often than not, gets us in a, a more useful position and, a, and, a, and a, uh, in a world where uh, we could take better advantage of our environment to make our lives a better place. And I think sympathy, unlike, I mean, f- among all our emotions, I think sympathy is one uh, emotion that has, in that sense, um, is the same as logic. And I do think that um, more sympathy, having more sympathy for our f- uh, fellow uh, human beings or just living beings is it does make our plan- uh, planet a better place, make our world a better place. And I think that appealing to that emotion is not a bad thing. Um, I mean, if, if, uh, and if sympathy, especially if sympathy is more common than logic, then I do think that's a tool that we need to take advantage of. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, what I tell people about skepticism, I've had this discussion before when uh, sometimes there, within skepticism, I think there's sometimes a danger. Uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with the community just from the, the work that you do. Um, sometimes I run into people, they get, um, I think, frustrated with religious people or spiritual people. And they want to say, um, you know, if you're, what they will say is, you know, you're not a, a real skeptic if you are religious. And I have an issue with it only in the sense of not that I disagree with the logic of what they're talking about. I understand where they're coming from. But what I've said is you don't get your badge for being a skeptic. It is a process that goes on your whole life. Uh, anything to do with what you're talking about, logic, um, tr- trying to go through the, the different fallacies of how we think ourselves or other people. It is a lifelong process and not everyone's going to be on the same stage. So there's going to be some obvious necessity to connect to people with, with what you're calling sympathy, which is just our common human experience. 
Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of who's a true what doesn't make, I mean, words have definitions and people usually try to uh, cast people out of their community by saying who's a true, I mean, it, like we see a few people saying you're not a true atheist because you don't agree with this and that, um, or this is not why atheism is bad, atheism is about this. I don't need, atheism is nothing but a lack of belief in God. If you don't believe in a God, you're, 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 you're an atheist. You could be a skeptical atheist and not another skeptical atheist. You could be yep. a homophobic atheist. You could be a racist atheist. You could be a kind atheist. You could be an evil atheist. Yep. Uh, people say, "Oh, if you if you create a community, you're not doing atheism right. If you if you if you talk about politics, then this is you're not doing atheism right. You, you, there's no way to do. If you don't believe in God, you're doing atheism right. Everything else is secondary, right? And and you know, people usually come tell us that, oh, you're changing the definition of atheism because now you have this community, atheist republic community, that says that they're trying to do this and this and that." Uh, so, so you are also changing the definition of atheism. That 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 also doesn't make sense to I me mean, because we never claim to be speaking for all atheists. We claim to be speaking for our own community, right? Yeah. So when when if if uh, some Americans get together and start creating a community called Americans Against Racism, they're not trying. They're not redefining the word American, right? Just because you created a community <laughs> of Americans against racism doesn't mean that you. You're claiming that all Americans are against racism, or the only true way to be an American is to be against racism, right? Um, yeah. So if you create a group called like um, uh, Atheist Republic, and you put uh, you you mention to people what you stand for, it doesn't mean that you're trying to redefine uh, atheism. It just means we are a group of atheists that are that are fighting for this. Same as a group of Americans against racism, they are a group of Americans that. Um, got together that are trying to fight in a world where there's less racism. So I get the sense that there's always going to be a certain portion of every population online or offline that basically just doesn't like everything. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah, that, if you're doing something, true. if you're doing something, there's going to be somebody who doesn't like it. It's true. But, but here's the thing though. I think they're, they're useful because yes. they yep. need to be there to, for us to, uh, sometimes they're frustrating because it doesn't seem like no matter how much you explain shit to them, they still, they're never happy. But I think I'd rather have them there and keep us mindful of what, how we say things and what we say than not having them there. And that's why we actually never uh, ban anybody from, uh, for these things on the atheist Republic public page. We get, um, we get atheists, uh, racist atheists, homophobic atheists, and we keep them there. We don't ban them, not just because we want uh, to learn from the fact that how we could challenge them and teach our community how we could challenge them, but because it's also educational for other atheists, because other atheists, there are sometimes atheists that go out there that try to and make it seem like if you're an atheist, then you're more tolerant or you're more uh, liberal or you're more this or you're more that, uh, which on average might be true, but it, I, it's good to see these things to for for atheists to uh, to recognize yeah. not to make such generalist uh, general statements that so, you can see that you could you, just because you're a person is atheist you shouldn't uh, assume that they agree with you on everything right yes uh, so we don't become it's self reflection so we don't become too complacent exactly uh, or it, arrogant you know yeah or, yeah absolutely. Or, or, or tribal, or, or yes. I think, yeah, I think I think it's good for the atheist community to always uh, be critical of itself, uh, so that we don't get this uh, tribal mentality. So the challenge is to be supportive of each other, but without being uh, 
without falling into this trouble mentality, which could become uh, challenging because but the, the way to do that is to teach people that you don't have to uh, support someone's views um, or to even like somebody for you to recognize that they shouldn't be discriminated against because of their lack of belief. You should be able to um, hate somebody uh, or their view and still fight for their rights to uh, to to say whatever they want or to to basically not be oppressed for their views. You know, it just if if you find an atheist, if I find an atheist that I uh, that I disagree with almost everything uh, except the fact that we both don't believe in a God, I should still be able to uh, protect that person and provide that person with a community where yeah. where he or, or she could feel safe um, from from oppression for their, for their views. Uh, well, Armin, I, thank you so much for being on the show. Like, the more I hear from you, the more I, I, I'm aware of your different uh, perspectives on different things, the more I'm impressed. Uh, you, you're, you are a great thinker. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. It's, it's really, I, I, I want to also say that this, shows like this is, are, are, are so helpful because um, every time you have an audience, you have a following, and when you uh, invite somebody on your show, all of a sudden they went from having uh, an audience of one or two to being able to share their views with many more people. And it's um, one thing uh, I like to encourage um, anybody with a platform is to also, to look at um, more ex-Muslims atheists, because I do think that um, a lot of atheists in the East could could take advantage of platforms like this podcast uh, and uh, to be able to make the atheist community a more global community rather than yeah. having the atheists in Islamic countries have their own movement and atheists in Christian countries have their separate movement. It's good for to have ex-Muslims and ex-Christians and ex-anything and people that are always atheists to be able to share platforms with each other and introduce each other uh, to, to, their, to their audience like this. So thank you so much for having me. And, um, well, I, I really appreciate it. I, I hope you're right. Um, because I think that's exactly true. Hearing about experiences from other atheists in other parts of the world helped me uh, have a better perspective on the stuff that's going on in my own life and over here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now I'm going to, I'm going to end the interview there. Um, with the, okay. I should give you the, the opportunity <laughs> to, to tell people where to find uh, Atheist Republic or anything else that you would like them to find that you're working on. Uh, just atheistrepublic.com. Uh, if you go there, you will be able to um, join our community, join our uh, online forum or our newsletter. We have a really good interactive newsletter where people can reply to our newsletter every time, and we have people uh, in our team responding to it. Um, and also, if anybody's interested in, in in participating in activism, atheist activism, even in just a small amount, we have a great team that is a global team that is growing uh, and some people on our team sometimes contribute every day but some people contribute once every once every six months or even less and it's all welcome and it's a great uh, team that and we, we brainstorm we come up with ideas so if you want to join the, t the volunteer team you could do that also on hsrepublic.com awesome da -da 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 -da.